Howdy, folks, and thanks for tuning in to the second episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kirsten Belisle. And I'm Zach Larson. I'm a failed high school track athlete turned collection manager. Kirsten is a less of a failure as a high school track athlete, and she's also now turned a collection manager. We both work for the Fremont County Museum System, located in the heart of West Central Wyoming. Our county museum system has three museums in it, the Riverton Museum, where Zach works, the Fremont County Pioneer Museum, and the Dubois Museum and Wind River Historical Center, where I work. All of our museums focus on telling the stories um, of early frontier life with a mix of Native American heritage, natural history, and industry history specific to each region. And using artifacts from our three museums, interviews with experts, and a load of historical research, we're here to discover, and in some cases rediscover, the quirky, the heart-wrenching, the fascinating history of Fremont County, Wyoming, and the American West. We're coming to you in recorded form, I almost said live, from the middle of the Cowboy State, home to bleachers to watch wildlife, home to one state university and more cattle than people. Uh, we have the Pony Express and Stagecoach lines that run right through our state. We have tiny towns named Never Sweat. And the topics that we talk about are the things right outside of our back doors. Last month, we introduced our listeners, a.k.a. you guys, to your hosts, a.k.a. us, as well as gave you a look into Fremont County and why its history and the history of Wyoming deserve a podcast. This month, we're diving into our archives, where letters, diaries, postcards, and journals of original Fremont County residents help us explore what life love and family was like on the frontier. So February has the honor of being associated with love and hearts and cherubim angels thanks to Valentine's Day on the 14th. Therefore, it only makes sense that we start our episode by sharing with our listeners some writings that touch on the author's love lives. But first, one of our hosts deserves a congratulations for her own love life. Kirsten is getting married. Yeah. At least that's what the ring on my finger is saying. So, before we get to sharing these stories with you guys, we want to stress just how important written communication is in remembering the past. It's so important, so integral to societies, that we use the invention of writing systems to delineate the difference between prehistory and history of a society. Yeah, for a civilization to officially have a history, it must have left written records. At least, according to the very literal definition of the word history, which comes from the Greek word historia, meaning the act of seeking knowledge through inquiry, as well as the product that results from said inquiry. So really, we're just saying that archival materials are super important, and almost every museum in the country has at least some sort of archives included in their collection. Letters, journals, and diaries especially help us learn about and see the past through the eyes of people who were really there. Speaking of the past, let's set the scene for our first letter from the archives. It's January 20, 1927. As with most Wyoming winters, it's cold and snowy with a relentless wind that blows down the mountains. A passion for teaching brought an eastern big city girl to the American frontier, where life's hardships are made just a little bit easier by the love found in a small town. So set in the 1920s, this woman's life featured roaring parties held at opulent ranches, deadly car wrecks, and mountain adventures. Torn between the love of two men, decisions must be made. But will they be the right ones? We are well aware that this sounds like the introduction to a Nicholas Sparks romance novel, but no, we're not making this stuff up. Not at all. Writing to her family, this woman who will remain anonymous begins... Dear mother and father and all, now I'll go back to where I left off a week ago and relate all the events of interest. 
Please don't anyone scold for any of the seemingly foolish things I've done, for really I'm having a good time, working hard, playing hard and sleeping anywhere from 9 to 15 hours a night, and eating a variety of the right kind of food. Then after writing about some of her more mundane activities she did, taught classes, visited with neighbors, this writer begins to muse upon a recent suitor. I worked hard all week and went to bed early with the exception of Tuesday evening when Bill came down for a couple of hours to expound his philosophy of life to me. Bill is interesting and has many experiences, which I'll try to relate the gist of you. First, he is medium complexioned, about five feet nine inches tall, will be 30 on next his next birthday, and he has an attractive, gentlemanly personality, although he's quite homely. He's quite a tease once in a while. But knowing him for what he is, I'm not in the least bit afraid of him, for he's never sworn or told even a slightly shady story in my presence, and has never offered to kiss me. On two occasions, he put his head—I put my—he put my head on his shoulder and his arm around me so I could rest. But when he gets funny enough to try to kiss me, I'm afraid we'll quit right then, unless he'll be reasonable and decide to get along without that. Frankly, folks, since my last affair with Kenneth, I can't bear to think of being kissed by anyone drama so this woman makes it a point to write home to her family about the dances she's gone to as well as the man who seems to currently be pursuing her and another man who apparently broke her heart given the excerpts that were just read how do you think this whole thing ends up um she probably doesn't get kissed (laughs) is that your final answer yeah So this woman and the man that we are calling Bill, uh, they actually end up together. They end up going to a few more dances, get married, have some children, and then tragically die in a car crash. Like I said, it sounds like a Nicholas Sparks book that you just can't make up this tragedy, but this romance. And we actually have a whole diary from this woman that contains pictures, notes, newspaper clippings, and poems that relate to her life, adventures, and relationships during her time in the Upper Wind River Valley. The letter we just read from is actually, the whole thing is 12 pages long. And do you remember the last time you wrote a 12-page letter? I don't remember the last time I wrote a letter. Well, I think maybe kindergarten to like my classmate pen pal kind of thing. It was on construction paper with crayons. Yep. We're living in the digital age, man. So, and my favorite tidbit from the album that we actually have in our archives from this woman is a little flap of paper glued onto one page with the words Sweet Sacred Secrets scribbled across it. So what's inside of that? Oh, well, I'm not telling. At least, not yet. Because I'm about to bribe you folks, you listeners out there, if you want to find out the Sweet Sacred Secrets that is contained in this album. Keep an eye on our Facebook page, Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming History Podcast. If we get to 200 likes by, let's say, February 28th, we'll make a post that tells you guys what was so tantalizingly scandalous that it deserved to be covered by a piece of paper labeled Sweet Sacred Secrets. All right. So to finish this little short episode out, we're going to go a bit of a different direction. We're going to talk about the Dobler family, who for many years was a staple here in Fremont County. George Dobler was a lawyer. Um, His wife, he called Effie. They had two twin girls. One was named Lavina and the other was named Virginia. Just one of the really tender things that George had a habit of doing is, is about once a month, he would try to write his girls a letter. 
Levine actually, she ended up having a very successful career. She moved to New York City. She got a job working for Scholastic. She wrote children's history books. So, digging into the archives, these are excerpts from letters. This first one comes from September 24th, 1950. And George writes to his two twin daughters, Dear girls, it is a lovely day this Sunday after having some rather damp and rainy days for some time. However, we did not have a real killing frost, and we are hoping now we will have some very nice weather for a while. We expected that the rain would end up with a snow, but now we may have an, another month or so of enjoyable sunshine. Yesterday afternoon, Effie and I drove to Shoshone and had some business there. After attending to the business, so, um, some other people engaged me for some more work, and then we had dinner at the new cafe. It was real good. We also stopped in at the Derby Bar for a drink. It's operated by a Sweeler and is fixed up very well. In fact, both the cafe and the bar are much better than you'd expect at Shoshone. Yesterday, the University of Wyoming play, played Baylor in Laramie. Of course, we all expected Baylor would win, but at the end, the score was 7-0. to zero. Last year, Baylor was the only team that defeated Wyoming. The new stadium opened, and the announcer said there were 17,000 people at the game. That's a real crowd for Wyoming. Seems to be very little new here. We drift along week in and week out with our regular routine. How are the children? Guess they are both busy in school. Art, I suppose, it's is busy, and of course, Lavina is working at a full tilt as usual. Probably the house keeps Virginia busy. Well, I came to the office this morning to write these letters. We probably will take a short drive this afternoon, taking Lillian along. Chris went to the game at Laramie yesterday, and then on to Cheyenne, expecting him back today or tomorrow. With love from both, both to all. Dad. I think it's interesting that he talks, he not only talks about, you know, going for a drive, which is something very Wyoming. Yeah. You don't really find that a lot of other states, like in the Midwest, you don't just go for a drive as entertainment. But he talks about going for a drive, he talks about stopping and getting a drink, and then he also talks about football, at least I'm assuming it was a football yeah. game, which is, you know, it might have been almost 70 years ago that he was writing, but football will remain eternal. Yeah. This next one, I just I also just found some some amusing bits of it. It comes to us from uh, November 28th, 1950. He says, Dear girls, various matters have delayed me in writing, the chief one being that we have moved the office. We are now occupying a three-corner rooms in the Baldwin block. These rooms are at the corner of Main and 3rd Street, and we feel they are really the best location in town. As a matter of fact, we like the old offices very much, but our landlord seemed to want us to pay the value of the building as rent each month, so we moved. We get these offices at a much cheaper, uh, much cheaper than the other buildings, the other offices, and we have more room. The lights are furnished, and also the floor coverings. It really was a big job moving, but we hired a man to move us. He had five or six men working for him, so it did not take too long. At any rate, we are very nicely located in doing business again. The first issue of Consumer Reports came the other day. I am very much interested in reading the comparative values of the various products and were especially interested in the article in this issue regarding the relative values of the Buick Super and the DeSoto. From the article, it would appear on the whole that the DeSoto has the best of it. I think the criticism of the Buick being hard to handle, is especially in parking, is just. I tell Effie that the next car I buy will be a Crosley. I can at least park it, which is more than I can do with the Roadmaster. Hmm. Do you know what a Crosley is? I do not know what a Crosley is. Crosley was an electronics, like home consumer record player company. And in the 1950s, they branched out to cars and they made tiny, tiny little, just little compact. I mean, the precursor to maybe what today would be a Chevy Spark. Just really small, lightweight, cheap cars. So um, they were definitely in stark contrast to the to the land yachts of the 1950s. 
Mm, I could only imagine. I definitely remember going to my library though. This and this is 2017 that I went to the library and looked up the consumer reports when buying my car. Yeah, consumer reports still around. Um, he just concludes the letter with some other stuff, but I always love the the concluding lines. He says in this one, Effie joins me in love to all. This is a short one that's just for Lavina in October of 1952. Dear Lavina, I should have written you earlier thanking you for the birthday box of candy in the card, but I've just not taken the time to write. Guess I am lazy or indolent. At any rate, I do not get things the things done that I wish. We are still having the most wonderful fall weather. It gets around 65 to 70 in the daytime and around 30 at night. The leaves are falling, but usually we have bad weather before this time of year. I'm still doing some work in the office. Enjoy doing a little, but have a lot, but having a lot to do would worry me. So I dodge as much work as I can. Uh, I do not have much to write about, but I do want to thank you for the box of candy and the birthday remembrances. With love, Dad. And the last letter I don't think I'm going to read, um, mostly because it's in cursive and I don't know really how to read cursive very Ooh, well. Ooh, then you should let me see it. All right. What's a little known fact is that I am actually a trained paleographer, although my specialty is like early modern English, so like the 1500s, but we'll see what I can do here. So can you read the uh, Canterbury Tales that are like Hertzky, Birchky, Dursky, Lurchky? It'll take me a little while, but yeah, eventually yeah. I can make sense out of the weird lines and scribbles and strange symbols. I promise you, it's not a different language. Well, occasionally it's in French or Latin, but besides that, they're normal words. So yeah, this is a letter in January of 1954 to Lavina from their dad. And it says, Dear Lavina, have had quite a cold, but are fe- am feeling better again. Will write more later. Five miles, five, oh, not five miles, five inches of snow here and rather cold. Something has been in hospital. Oh, apparently somebody has been in the hospital again. And Lillian, not too well. Effie and I had cold same time, but getting along okay now. Love from us both, Dad. So it was just a little note apparently from their dad, just keeping them up to date about, you know, normal winter colds and things like that. Written on stationery from George F. Dobler, attorney at law. What I I think this is this is the most recent one that, that at least I could find in our collection. And... When I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, I found out that George Dobler passed away not too long after writing that that letter. Probably, well, within about a year or so, he had passed on. Um, so I think one of the things that, that really sticks out to me as we read these old letters that are just, just kind of plain and ordinary um, is just, I don't know, the, the beautiful simplicity of, of just writing the mundane so that your 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 posterity can cherish those letters forever um today we live in a day where it's trivial to pick up the eye gadget and we can face skype somebody clear on the other side of the country even on the other side of the world it's just not that big a deal but in, in that convenience we've lost a lot too letters like this can be cherished for generations to come and my kids and grandkids will probably never know what they talk to their grandma about on FaceTime this very afternoon. So I don't know. I just like letters like that. There's something very sweet and intimate to look at a piece of paper and see somebody's handwriting and the swoops and the loops and the dotted I's and cross T's and things like that. And it, I mean, it connects you to these people 
from decades ago. And so especially if you know they're from family members, it definitely goes to an even deeper level of connection and things like that. And I know part of one of the best things I think that museum work has is being able to go through these letters, to see these journal entries, to read the silly little cards that people sent each other um, and just kind of get a glimpse into their lives, get a glimpse into their relationship with their family members, get a glimpse into their lives with their neighbors. Uh, We have a ton of archival records that go from typewritten notes on typewriters to entire bound journals with handwriting that's much harder to read than what I just read. Um, And it's just, it's part of the museum world is to save these records. And I don't know, there's somebody out there somewhere that's saving emails and uh, other technical, technological records. But, but yeah, so our archival materials are really important to our museum collections and really important to connecting us to the past. And Wyoming is one of those states where you wouldn't think there's a ton of written records, but as you can see, there are everything from the mundane, oh, we had a cold to the love lives of, you know, young teachers and business correspondence and things like that. And so we've hoped you guys have enjoyed looking into our archives a little bit. If you are interested in more archival research or more stories from the archives, feel free to reach out to us at our Facebook page, Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. And we would love to help you guys dive deep into the archival records that we have. Uh, Join us on Facebook at Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. Um, If you're not subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, we're available on those platforms. So, or just about any podcasting app that you have that, that uses those as, as a feed. Um, on our Facebook page, we post pictures of the artifacts we talk about in previous episodes. We give you guys sneak peeks of future plans as well as a look into the life of museum professionals. And remember, if we get over 200 likes by February, what did I say, 28th? So if we get over 200 likes by February 28th, the Dubois Museum, a.k.a. me, will share with you guys what sweet sacred secrets lie in its archives. Okay, if you've already followed us on Facebook, thank you. Your support is wonderful. It means the world to us. Um, We hope you get a chance to come to our museums. We hope you get a chance to attend the, the many events that we have coming up throughout this next year. And we hope you'll continue to tune in to future episodes of Rediscover the Winds. So speaking of events, what do we have coming up? So the Pioneer Museum in Lander has an event on February 16th at 4 p.m. They have the grand opening of For the Love of Water, then and now in Fremont County. So it's a new exhibit exhibit that looks at the importance of water for agriculture, recreation, and industry in the Fremont County. And so the Dubois Museum, their next event is next month on March 7th at 7 p.m. So local historian Steve Banks will present a program titled Early Residence, where he'll talk and tell stories about early Dubois and the original people who made it into the community it is today. Uh, At the Riverton Museum, we have two events coming up in March. On March 9th at 2 p.m., we are doing a children's activity with where we're going to be painting rabbit hides. Us, the museum staff, are going to show kids how to paint artwork on rabbit pelts. It's inspired by the storytelling on the petroglyphs. You get to take your art home after it's done. We do want you to pre-register for that because supplies and seats are limited. Uh, The cost is $4 if you're a child and $5 for an adult. And then also at the Riverton Museum on March 14th at 6.30 p.m., local poet Kara Eldering is going to present her first published book of poetry called Havoc and Solace to museum visitors. And as always, our uh, speaker series events are free to the public, so please join us for that. And if you can't tune in to our 
uh, respective Facebook pages for our museums because we like to post updates and things like that for you guys. So next time, we have several more podcast episodes planned for you guys this year covering a wide variety of Wyoming history, from wildlife to geology, Native Americans to the white settlers. Fremont County encompasses a vast array of topics that will connect to other corners of Wyoming and the nation. So our upcoming March episode is going to be a little bit of a different format. We're celebrating March as Women's History Month. We're going to talk about several impressive women from Fremont County and Wyoming by doing a mini-series. So each, each week we'll release a new short episode that talks about a woman, her life in Wyoming, and the impact that she had on her community. So thanks again for listening to this Wyoming History Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten, from the Dubois Museum and Wind River Historical Center. And I'm Zach from the Riverton Museum. We look forward to continuing to rediscover the winds with you next time. <laughs>